0: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday
1: edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I
0: love 40s.
2: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 615 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday. December the 3rd, I'm your host, Sean Woodley at RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the On Podcast Network, where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. If you are a hockey fan, we have got 27 teams covered right now, plus a fantasy show and a national show for all of you hockey lovers out there. Uh, and if you find a show on the network that you want to support, please subscribe, rate, and review. It's the best way to support the show. It's very helpful, very handy, and helps to make us visible in the rankings and all that good stuff. And so thank you in advance for taking the very small amount of time that requires. And uh, let's get on to today's show. Joining me today is uh,
3: another one of our regular guests. It's Vivek Jacob. Vivek, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. Getting the week started with the Raptors practice where they were all um, so. Very happy with the win over the Jazz. Moving on to the Heat. Kyle Lowry is a maybe mm-hmm. for the Heat. Uh, but yeah, overall, positive vibes. Everyone's feeling good, as they should. One of the best teams in the league.
2: And everyone very much cares about the ESPN power rankings as well. That's good to know.
3: Yeah. Care so, so <laughs> much.
2: I don't understand what... Compa- I don't know who the reporter was who asked about it, so I don't want to like throw anyone under the bus. It might have been you for all I know, but
3: uh <laughs> like, it, was, it was a it was a t-
2: tv person oh stunning I'm, truly oh, stunning a- um yeah I, I don't know what compels someone to ask a professional ask coach about the uh the, the power rankings that espn posts but to each of their own i suppose <laughs> i i mean yeah the, the power rankings like the para- pandemonium has gotten way out of hand who gives a shit where they are most people who are smart have them like fourth or third. ESPN has them seventh. Who gives a damn? Uh, We're not going to talk about power rankings today because that's not good content. We are going to talk about a lot of stuff. Mostly, we're going to look ahead at the potential return. As you mentioned, Kyle Lowry's a maybe for the Miami game on Tuesday. We're going to talk about sort of what has happened over the last 11 games with Kyle Lowry out. And, you know, kind of grade where the Raptors are at, look ahead to what's coming as the rotation is about to change, whether Kyle comes back on Tuesday or Thursday or whenever it's going to be, it's still going to change. And we'll talk about Fred VanVleet as well, who uh, had maybe his best game of the season against the Jazz on Sunday night and is in line for a very handsome sum of money. So we'll get to that in the later stage of the show with the second edition of the Fred VanVleet Bet on Yourself meter, a, a segment for which I have made a drop. I'm usually a terrible, lazy producer, but I made a drop for this, and you'll hear it later on. And I'm very excited for you to hear it. Anyway, uh, Vivek, practice today. Anything we can glean from what the rotation is going to look like when Kyle Lowry comes back? I guess we can start there.
3: Um, you know, I think Nurse did say that because of the way... The bench guys, Terrence Davis, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Chris Boucher have played. They've earned the right for Nurse to think a little extra hard on how he can get them on the court. But at the same time, he made it pretty clear that he's going to play his best players. And Kyle Lowry is one of his best players. So that's going to eat into Terrence Davis's minutes. That's going to eat into, obviously, Norman Powell's minutes because he's going to go back to the bench. And, uh, you know, we saw Chris Boucher's minutes already. Uh, drop off with Serge Ibaka's return. So, uh, again, I think they'll move more into outside of Terrence Davis. I think they'll move more into a plug and play option and see what the team needs when, uh, mm-hmm. if they do need something. And I think that's how it'll play out going forward.
2: Yeah, I think in addition to Terrence, I think uh, like Ronda Hell's Jefferson is going to be very much part of the rotation. I, I think just his defense is kind of undeniable. And the fact that nurse yesterday, like five and a half minutes into the, and we're recording this on Monday night, by the way. So excuse the weird chronology of everything. Um, the, he mentioned, you know, sorry, in the game against the Jazz, like halfway through the, th- the third quarter when the Jazz were going off, usually he'll ride that starting group pretty long, and instead he like quickly yanked OG, threw Rondé in. And so I think the trust is building there with Rondé to a pretty significant degree. I think he's going to be a big part of it. And his flexibility, being able to, I mean, he doesn't really play the three, but he'll like nominally be the three up there, even if he is sort of the screen setter uh, with whoever he's playing with and is kind of the five on offense. Like, I think he's going to, like, get a lot of run. And I think he should, because his defense is awesome. And it really sort of plays into what the Raptors do well. Um, And Terrence Davis, I mean, we talked a lot before Kyle went down about how the, the minutes were concerning and him and Fred both playing like 38 minutes a game was not sustainable. And obviously Kyle got hurt and you can't blame the minutes on that per se, but it certainly doesn't help when he's playing that crazy number of minutes. It's just more opportunities for him to hurt himself. And so I think with the way Terrence Davis is play, which uh, by all of the metrics suggest that he's the best rookie in the NBA uh, <laughs> from, from all the advanced stats that have come out today, a lot of uh, nice charts with Terrence Davis near the top. Um, the I think there's going to be a very easy way here for Nick Nurse to sort of adjust from where he was at early in the season, where he was forced to play Kyle and Fred a bunch, and maybe stagger them a little bit more. Like I would expect, we're going to see Kyle come out pretty early in the first quarter, and then they'll let Fred run the second half of the first quarter, essentially. And I do think we are in line for some Kyle and bench units, which I am frankly thrilled about. I can't wait to see it, um, because that always ends up being very good. I just sort of, I wonder sort of what the complexion of those bench units is going to be, because if you're trying to get nine guys under the or 10 or nine or 10 guys into the game, like I, I do wonder if maybe nurse will, and, and you know, to the point of him wanting to play his best players, I wonder if he'll be able to sort of resist the temptation to playing his best players all the time in the interest of, uh, you know, in lieu of just maybe having four bench guys on the floor with Kyle at a time, I, if if we do start seeing that a little bit more, like Kyle and bench units, the way we saw Pascal and, and Fred bench units with maybe one starter mixed in, uh, what do you think is going to be sort of the complexion of that? Like at the start of the second quarter, in the typical Kyle plus bench zone, what would you say is sort of the ideal lineup that you'd like to see Nurse roll out with, if that's what he ends up doing?
3: Yeah, I think you can play Kyle uh, with Terrence. Terrence is still learning the one. He's made progress there, but uh, he's still more comfortable off-ball, so I think being next to Kyle uh, helps. And then and then you, you roll out uh, Norm and Rondé and Ibaka, and mm-hmm. depending on what the matchup is, you, you know, maybe you get uh, OG to start the second quarter as well, depending on, you know, when Norm's checking in, when he's checking out, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the five you roll with. And uh, I think we saw that the spacing wasn't great when both Rondé and Serge are on the floor together. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to think about going forward where uh, if Rondé isn't going to be on the floor, then maybe you need Mark on there too. But at the same time, you know, Kyle Kyle and Serge have had that pick and roll game going really well for them. So uh, I don't know if that's something you want to take away either.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, again, all, it's, this is all one of them good problems to have. <laughs> it's like, oh no, arms overflowing with good players. Uh, it's it's a nice thing. I do feel like Chris Boucher is kind of shit out of luck here, unfortunately. Um, yeah. He even was last night, really, outside of uh, garbage time with, with Surge being back. And I just, as great as Chris Boucher was in that time and as, comforting it is as it is to know that he's still there in the event that something else happens in the front court rotation as someone who can fill in and you know provide adequate minutes. I, I just don't really see the path to him getting anything more than garbage time at this point, which is a shame because he's fun and offers an insane offensive rebounding acumen that only Rondé can really match. Um, but as I made the point last night when I was doing the podcast with Katie after the game, I almost think it's maybe like an okay thing to have a little bit less of that chaos in there with the Rondé and Boucher front court, and like a little bit more sort of tempered, chill play from Abaca next to Rondé to sort of balance that front court out a little bit. Um, I am curious to see how that front court works, though, because you know th- that that seems like it could be pretty good defensively. I wonder if maybe it'll be difficult for. Baca to really sort of capitalize on Rondé's cutting and stuff like that because he's not like an amazing passer or anything like that that seems kind of like something Gasol has really been good at and the reason why I think a lot of those um, Fred or Pascal plus Mark bench units work pretty well but Mm -hmm. uh, I'm fascinated to see how it all works together this is sort of a fun little chapter of the season we're turning to
3: and uh,
2: I'm looking forward to seeing how things look
3: No I agree I think uh, with Nick too he likes to get funky so I think uh, with Chris Boucher sort of making the case for minutes, uh, there might be times where he even goes with Ibaka at the five and Chris Boucher at the four, um, and that still allows him uh, to have that spacing that he likes to have uh, with Boucher outside. So uh, that's another thing that you could throw in there. But, you know, I think... We talk about the start of the second quarter lineups. I think it's going to be interesting to see how, if he looks to make any changes for sort of uh, the second half of the first quarter um, mm-hmm. to adjust that start of the second quarter. Because, uh, yeah, as I'm thinking out loud, if uh, because of the way Fred has been comfortable with that bench unit, maybe you want to keep him with those guys. And so mm-hmm. maybe Kyle gets a longer run at the start of the first and then is sitting off um with Fred maybe coming off first now uh, with Terrence getting those minutes yeah I
2: mean it's Fred's proven to be capable of running a lineup in a way that I don't think he was necessarily 11 games ago and we'll get to that Mm -hmm. uh in a little bit as well uh on the Fred Fred front but yeah it's it's I'm looking forward to seeing how it all comes together you know I think there might be some sort of pickups and growing pains a little bit rotation wise from nurse and just like from the team kind of getting back into the mode of having Kyle running everything. And I'm sure it'll be pretty seamless because Kyle is a seamless player and fits with anybody at any time. But um, like, I would expect the first game back to maybe be a little bit kooky and sort of disjointed early on, just as they sort of try to figure out how it all pieces together. Because I mean, they've been going with like a pretty much desperation rotation over the last uh, like almost month now. And I, Like, that has to be an adjustment to come back and just have all of your players and not be concerned about, you know, who's getting run where because there's plenty of guys to fill in those minutes. Um, And, yeah, I I would say, you know, I know Nurse said today that he mentioned 10 guys would get get to play. I, like I said, I don't think it's going to get more than nine and Boucher is going to be the odd man out.
3: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Before we uh, get to some talk of Fred Van Vliet, though, we should probably just sort of reflect on the last 11 games without Kyle Lowry. It's sort of a really telling, I don't know, if maybe there's been a more telling a section of a season where we learned more about the Raptors over the last five years. Like, this was a, a real test. And they passed it. I mean, we're going to give up, like, report cards, qu- like, dick finger quotes, because they're going to just be A's. But, um, like, compared to your expectations, like, when Kyle and Serge go down, first of all, what is your, like, initial thought process when that happens? And then, like, how has it evolved since it, since the injuries and how the Raptors have played? Like, are you blown away in terms of what they've done without Kyle? Is this something you expected? Like, how are you sort of uh, reflecting on these last 11 games now that Kyle's about to come back?
3: Yeah, I think Serge Ibaka mirrored <laughs> my impression when when he was asked uh, today uh, and, and said uh, that he absolutely did not see this coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at Nurse's lack of trust in the bench guys up to that point in the season, and uh, Kyle and Serge go down with those injuries, I'm thinking... Uh, wow, Nurse has no choice but to play them now, and they're probably going to be very ugly minutes. You're going on this West Coast trip where uh, they should have lost both those games um, in theory to the Lakers and the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like I, I was expecting them at that point to just to just maybe uh, compete and pull out the Portland game. Uh, you know, because that that was the impression I had of the bench. And then for them to completely sort of change expectations to where uh, they're beating a Utah team by 40 at the half, where uh, they're beating the Lakers and then almost pulling one out against the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back, where, you know, they're beating teams in the ways that you expect them to uh, against the Knicks uh, and then against the... Uh, the hornets as well. So I think uh yeah th- this was completely beyond anything I expected 9 and 2 record uh according to cleaning the glass the net rating of plus 9.9 they're 10th in <laughs> offense and 2nd in defense uh yeah it's pretty pretty ridiculous uh if there is maybe one concern that I'm looking at uh, with these numbers right now over the last 11 they uh were dead last in offensive rebound rate allowed at thirty one percent And that's kind of been an Achilles heel for the team all season. But again, uh, Stan Van Gundy alluded to this when he was describing all the amazing ways the Raptors defend uh, teams is when you play, you know, the box in one and the triangle in two and just a straight two-three zone, uh, you're putting yourself in... Not a great position uh, rebounding wise. And so you're going to get hurt there a little bit. And I think Nick Nurse just looks at the trade off in terms of how many stops they're able to get and how many shots they're able to contest that it's worth doing so.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And like I've made this point the last couple years, as this has been an issue with times, like this team is good enough on defense that their bad offensive rebounding games like the games where they give up a ton off and offensive rebounds are not going to be nearly as like killer as teams that aren't amazing at guarding the rim and amazing at collapsing down and sort of bailing themselves out of those weird situations where they get themselves in a scrambling situation like this is a defense that thrives on scrambling and so you know they're kind of mitigating the impact there a little bit too and just i i look there was a a little bit of inkling in me that sort of thought, hey, this could be like when Demar sort of carried the Raptors to that fourteen-seven when Kyle was they, they on
3: the What's going on? Sorry about that. That's I okay. That scared the hell out of me. A random <laughs> ESPN video. Oh, gotta
2: love <laughs> autoplay. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. That scared the hell out of me. I thought your voice had totally changed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought you were the seductive Uber conference lady who welcomes us every time we jump on the call.
3: <laughs> oh, no, right. um, but Might be no. Names uh, pretty quickly, Sean. <laughs> that place. Um, what the
2: hell, was I saying? <clears throat> My expectations coming in. No, yeah, I, I like a part of me thought that maybe we'd see something like Pascal Siakam having some ridiculous run of you know a dozen games or so, the way Demar did back when Kyle was hurt back in 2017. And mm-hmm. they could sort of ride off of really good defense, and and you know have a pretty good record. I did not think that would mean a nine and two record. I did not think that would mean they would be in the top five in both offense and defense by the time the thing was over. And I did not think it would come with also Fred Van Vliet pulling in Demar and being as good as he was. And like all of it has just been stunning really like it, just the way ronde was just sort of called into action and then instantly was good same with boucher um like i think of that lakers game the the first quarter i'm like i don't think chris boucher is a rotation player and then boom he's a rotation player for three weeks and it's just like we should stop actors, i guess <laughs> it's and
0: yeah.
2: i mean a lot of credit goes to nick nurse as well gets one coach of the month so congrats to him that's great um but like what was the biggest singular reason for you why they were able to survive this? Is it is it Siakam? Is it Fred? Is it like just coaching? Is it dumb luck where they came across teams on bad nights? I, I, I don't think it's that one, but like a lot of this kind of defies logic and explanation a little bit.
3: Yeah, you know, I think I think um I would say the biggest reason to me, uh, and this filters down is uh, the coaching in the sense that Nick Nurse just won't accept anything as an excuse. And I've said this before, but uh, you know, the injuries happen and he just says, Hey, next man up. Hey, th- this is what we have. This is what we'll make work and we'll find a way to win. And I think that seeps through to the players where, as opposed to maybe you, uh, you have some other coach that says, Hey, we're going to have to tread water here for a little bit. And then you set, if you set that as a base expectation, then You know, you sort of say, okay, we're going to be okay with losing here and there. And it's just every single night, uh, their goal is to win. And I thought Nick Nurse had something interesting to say because I asked him today about, you know, uh, because he's talked about the focus being really high and the intensity being really high as well in this first month-ish of the season. And, you know, I asked him, you know, on some level, does that have anything to do with sort of champs knowing that opponents are going to come in looking to give their best shot, so you've really got to be ready for it, uh, and he was sort of like, you know, that that's not really a conversation that they have because for them, it's just it doesn't really matter that they're champs, it, 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 like, they have expectations of themselves this season, you know, and for them, it's just uh, proving themselves right in terms of what they think of themselves, and mm-hmm. So obviously, even with Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka out, they still felt very strongly that they're a really good team and they still have enough pieces uh, to put together wins. And so you see the emergence of Pascal Siakam and and saying that, hey, I can lead the line and Fred Van lead along with him. And then everyone just sort of uh, follows their lead. And, you know, I know we talk a lot about the bench, but uh, I also want to give a shout out to Norman Bau because... Yeah, we say a lot about his lack of consistency, but for the eleven games, for him to come away uh, having averaged close to sixteen points a game, uh, shooting over forty percent from three, uh, for him to produce at the level that he did for the eleven games, uh, I, I thought was really important for the team.
2: Yeah, Norm was awesome, and I am really curious to see sort of where he s- sits in it, like sort of settles in here. And honestly, if you would have sort of asked me how I thought it was going to go rotation-wise as the injuries first happened and Norm would get back in the lineup, my expectation would have been, yeah, Fred probably struggles a little bit as a lead guard. Norm probably thrives because he's in the position he's usually been good in as a starter, um, where he doesn't have to run the offense necessarily. He can just kind of take advantage of other people running it. and. I would have predicted maybe that by the time Kyle came back, we'd be thinking, "All right, Fred back to the bench, Norm into start, and then you just go from there." And that would be the lineup. And that's obviously not going to happen because Fred's been so damn good. And I, I hope we're not going to see a, like a big tailspin from Norm here. I kind of have an inkling we will, just because when he's been in the on the bench, it's always kind of been like that. He's never like he's always asked to do a little bit too much. And maybe playing with someone like Kyle will help him sort of free him from all the burden that comes with being the number one guy in an offense, and he can kind of just be the number two to Kyle with those bench lineups, if that, if that is what happens, but um, Norm deserves a ton of credit, man, and he goes through these sort of, like, Ups, ups and downs where you know one day he'll seem like his contract is kind of laborious and burdensome and then the next week he will be like oh no that contract's a damn steal <laughs> and he might be uh the best scorer on the magic if they had him right now and now he's the seventh best player on the raptors that's a pretty cool thing to have um and i just i'm rooting for norm to sort of find some sort of consistency i just feel like his role is about to change again, and usually his role changes tend to coincide with his inconsistencies. So, um, hoping for the best there, for sure. And yeah, just sort of to go on your other point, I mean, what this, I think, taught me a little bit these last 11 games is that, man, maybe we should just be putting more value into the idea of just, like, playing really goddamn hard all the time, because <laughs> mm-hmm. not a lot of teams end up doing that not a lot of teams are well coached also like you can it's crazy seeing the team coached by nick nurse and then seeing them come across like the knicks and just realizing how horribly coached that team is and so like good coaching and just like playing your asses off as it turns out can put you in the position to win a lot of games and at times just completely blow teams away that aren't ready and maybe that's sort of like the inefficiency that team should be sort of mining in the regular season as everyone sort of gets focused on rest and load management, although I don't think it's everyone. It's some teams. But, um, you know, as rest becomes more of a thing people worry about and not overexerting yourself, maybe uh, trying a little bit harder will get you some extra wins. And, like, I don't think I want to see the Raptors trying this hard all the time all year if they don't have to because that seems like a recipe for injuries. But at the same time, like, if you have a deep roster and you can run dudes out there and not worry about running up their minute totals to some insane degree why not play super hard the entire time you're out there? And it seems very clear that that's sort of the uh, the edict from up top with Nick Nurse is just, like, go play your ass off, and then you're probably going to catch some teams napping because it's the regular season, and that's annoying to play against. This is the reason, like, the Heat suck to play against. We're going to see the most annoying matchup of all time tomorrow. Who will be more annoyed between the Heat or the Raptors? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons I was kind of – I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Kyle doesn't play, um, just because yeah. it is, and we know how physical they can be, and I'm sure if, if he does play, that they will be slapping at that thumb as many times as they get the opportunity to, uh, so, and, you know, let's face it, on Thursday they play a Rockets team that doesn't play any kind of defense, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind if Kyle came back on Thursday.
2: Yeah, bam out of bio screens. Not thrilled about having uh, the point guards run through those. That, that seems I mean, we've seen what that does in the past. So <laughs> I'm cool with now one out if I'm if I'm Kyle or if I'm the Raptors worrying about Kyle and his well being. Um but at the same time, whenever Kyle comes back, I'm not gonna complain because God I miss watching Kyle Lowry play. I've started to get uh, a couple like DM or messages and stuff like, Are we sure Fred's not better than Kyle? And it's like, Please shut up now. <laughs> like, <we're, laughs> We're, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Just relax. Uh, yes, the, the guy who hasn't played for 11 games is not playing as well as Fred VanVleet right now. He's still not better. Um, but yeah, anyway, that we don't have to linger on that. This lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home
1: Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. But we can continue to talk about Fred
2: Van Vliet, who is going to get paid next summer, um, which yeah, we can sort of go into our final segment here. The Fred Van Vliet secure the bag meter. Yourself. Better yourself. yourself. I'm sorry you didn't get to hear that drop, Vivek. It's very good. Uh, you'll have to listen to the podcast to hear it. Um, and I hope everyone enjoyed the, the most production work I've done outside of our uh, Katie Heindel fanfic episodes. But uh, <laughs> so Fred VanVleet right now is uh, is kicking ass, just just taking names. I thought maybe he'd get some love for, like, Player of the Week this week. Um, obviously Giannis won it, and then Melo wanted it on the other side. And by the way, if you're mad about Melo winning a meaningless award, uh, just go yell somewhere else because that's cool and fun and i don't give a shit about the weekly awards so give mellow a, a second well that's fun uh rant over the fred van vliet secure the bag meter last time we checked in i think we had joe wolf on on the show and we were sort of around like 15 to 18 was sort of the range we thought he was going to get i feel like in the 11 games since then things have certainly changed um so for you vivek right now we'll do this two ways first of all what do you think he's going to command on the open market next summer bobby marks and brian windhorst on their podcast today mentioned somewhere between 25 and 30 was the word from some executives around the league which is insane but might be true because he might be the best free agent on the market at this point um and then so that's the first part is what do you think he will command and then two what would you be comfortable paying him if you were the raptors front office
3: yeah, I mean, I think he he's got gotten himself into that territory of a team willing to overpay and push that, I would say twenty five million mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what I would be more comfortable with, I, I I think ultimately if that's what it comes down to, the Raptors uh, mm-hmm. should do what they have to do to keep him, because uh, mm-hmm. I think he is really important for the franchise going forward. Uh, but I would be obviously a lot more comfortable if it was in the sort of 18 to 20 million range uh, Yeah. maybe you know 22 and then you can sort of backload it after uh, the 2021 year kind of thing uh, but yeah that's that, that's where I'd be comfortable with uh, obviously I think he's really really good um, he can still make strides inside the arc uh, and finishing at the rim especially
2: Um
3: But, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Masai and Bobby sort of plot out what they can do with him financially uh, this summer.
2: Yeah, I know that 25 to 30 figure sounds scary, um, but I also, you know, the thing that happens on that podcast, and I love Windhorst, he's great, but, man, sometimes he, like, contradicts himself very quickly. Um, He was saying how the teams that have the money next summer that could potentially throw a contract Fred VanVleet's way in that 25 to 30 range are the Hornets, the Grizzlies, the, uh, the Cavs and the Hawks. I think those are the teams he mentioned. Um, and like, okay, the Hawks have Trey young. I don't really see why they'd be spending 30 plus million on a backup point guard to Trey young. As good as Fred VanVleet is, I don't think you can really go forward with a Fred Trey backcourt. I don't think that's going to work defensively size wise. And it's kind of seems like a, redundant spending of money when you can go get like a wing or uh, any other good player to pair with Trey young. Cause he has none right now. Um, the Cavs just drafted Darius Garland to have Colin Sexton, whether you think they're good or not. I don't think the Cavs are going to go and completely just derail their last two drafts by bringing in Fred Van Vliet to, you know, be their highest paid player outside of, you know, Kevin Love. Um, and it just doesn't seem like they're really at a time where they're really going to be dropping big money on a point guard anyway. The Grizzlies have John ja Morant <laughs> like they don't need a backup point guard there either and they're paying big money to like Jonas and stuff and I just don't see them wanting to spend their nut on Fred Van Vleet and then the Hornets just signed Terry Rozier to a big ass deal and, and look babe like Fred's definitely better than Terry Rozier and maybe they wish they would have saved that money for Fred and, and waited a year because Terry ain't doing nothing for them but like I, I just I don't see any of those teams as being very clear Fred Van Vliet teams, and none of those teams are good. And so I don't know if that's gonna like lure Fred Van Vliet for an extra couple million anyway. I would say maybe just based on the teams that are gonna be in the market for things in the summer and have the money, like twenty-two to twenty-five is probably the range. And honestly, I'm getting much closer than I thought I ever would to being okay with like a twenty-two million dollar year Fred Van Vliet. Like I You know, I still recognize the concerns. I still have concerns about his ability around the basket and his sort of durability sometimes can be a bit of a question. And anytime his back flares up, it seems like he loses all ability to play basketball sometimes. But he is so damn good at a lot of things and just has like a... Like, if you're sort of thinking about the debate between, like, eye tests and analytics, Fred Van Vliet's an interesting case because his analytics are very good, and his eye test just makes it all seem even better because, like, he's just a motherfucker. Like, he's just, like, he's the the demeanor he has. Like, the culture building he kind of brings to a team, the way that people talk about him as, like, a mentor to the younger guys on the team, too. Like, there's a lot of intangible value there for Fred in addition to him being a very good three-point shooter and playmaker and not a guy who turns the ball over a lot, and like, that's a guy, I think, I'm very okay paying a big chunk of the salary cap to, especially if you're assuming down the line that you'll be pairing him with some sort of star and he can sort of be an off-ball threat if, like, that's what the goal is. And I think we mentioned this, uh, have mentioned this before, but if the goal is to have Fred Van Vliet with, on a Raptors team in 2021 that has a superstar, insert superstar here, if that's what you're going for in free agency, then, I mean, like, he's a perfect dude to pair Like, imagine some of the super teams of the last, like he'd be the ideal point guard for like those heat teams or this Lakers team that currently exists or many teams that have been sort of short on point guard. Like he would be perfect. And I, I think because of that, because of what you're assuming you're building the team around him with, and the fact that see Ockham can already take a little bit of the ball handling duty off of him as well. Um, I, I think you're not asking him to carry the ball every single possession. And he does a lot of really good things. His defense is awesome. I, uh, he might just be a twenty-two million dollar a year player, and maybe I'm fine with that. Is that too rich for your blood, or is that something you'd be fine with?
3: Ultimately, I mean, if you keep him, that's fine. Uh, you, you do what you have to do. Uh, like I said, th- at the end of the day, if, you don't make decisions on what ifs, right? Uh, yeah. That's true. If, if if Giannis, I mean, I'm I'm saying what ifs, and then I'm going getting into the ifs, but. <laughs> If Giannis makes the finals this year or next, there's, there's a pretty significant chance that he stays in Milwaukee, I think. Yeah. So you can't, you can't not pay a player now and guarantee that uh, over something that might not happen anyway. So, um, yeah, ultimately, do what you have to do to secure Fred because um, I think keeping him and Pascal guarantees winning uh, for quite a while. And the Raptors have shown... That at the end of the day, they can find pieces uh, from uh to complement their stars, and I expect Pascal to keep growing and keep taking that upward trajectory for a couple years uh, more, at least, uh, and then he might stabilize. Uh, not sure he knows what that is, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah. So yeah, ultimately, you might end up having someone who is a top five top three player in the league anyway. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, keep Fred and then deal with everything that comes later later. Well you just sent shivers down my
2: spine thinking of Pascal Siakam top five player. Woo-hoo! Um man, pretty good spot to be in, man. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> I'm so happy lately. It's wonderful. They're just so good and likable and fun to watch yeah uh, in the secure the bag meter has earned himself like an extra 7 million bucks from gm sean over the last two weeks so good good on you fred uh congrats on the great play uh congrats on overshooting my expectations for what he was going to be as the lead guy and i look forward to seeing how he uh copes with kyle coming back and uh hopefully a significantly decreased minutes load for everybody because uh that's one thing that certainly concerns me the fret with Fred. I don't want to see him at the top of the league league in minutes anymore. That, that would be nice if that wasn't the case, but um, that could, that's a problem for another day. We did not have problems right now. Everything's good. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug
3: Vivek? Oh, just the usual stuff. You can check out my work at Yahoo Sports Canada. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivek. I'm Jacob. I will tease uh, that we've got a special video that we're shooting soon for Yahoo sports Canada um, ahead of the Raptors meeting with the Clippers. And I think it's a really cool concept. uh, And it's going to be me and three other people on the video. And I think it's gonna be really fun. uh, Look back on all the things that culminated uh, in the championship.
2: Amazing. I can't wait for extended looks at Patrick Patterson and Lou Williams uh, ahead of their returns. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, you're great, man. We're loving your work. Keep uh, keep on keeping an on and everyone keep reading his stuff and keep an eye out for that video. All the Yahoo Sports stuff is great. Uh, you can find me, Ed Wood Lashawn. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're in the market for a holiday gift, whether you have a Secret Santa, a Yankee Swap, or just someone who likes the Raptors, who you want to buy something nice for, you can still buy We the Champs wherever you get your books. It's actually in a lot of chapters, chapters, is chapters stores. Uh, it's available at sort of like the holiday gifts, like big table at the front. It's uh, they've done a, they've done us pretty well over there. So. Uh, get your copy of We the Champs. It would be very much appreciated. And uh, that's going to do it. We will be back again on Wednesday, maybe Tuesday night, depending on what time uh, the Raptors game against the Heat finishes up and if I can record an episode from the arena or if i got to wait till Wednesday. But either way, there will be another episode coming soon to break down the Heat game. Uh, and we will talk to you then on another episode of Locked on Raptors.